Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show with the host that climbed Mount Everest twice. Oops, darn it, wrong show. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining, guaranteed weekly pipe smoking broadcast. Because <laughs> I am pre-recording this one, because hopefully at this point, um, we are out to sea in the middle of the Atlantic somewhere, going east, hopefully. And again, see last week's show for, you know, possibilities why. Uh, but anyway, on this week's episode in uh, Pipe Parts, because there are two pipe shows coming up, and by request, I'm going to talk about getting prepped for a pipe show, prepping yourself to go. And then my guest is Charles Tyvitt, pipe maker and doctor. And uh, it was a lot of fun to get to, to get to meet Charles, and uh, so you get to hear that. Uh, music, mailbag, and rant, all that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And uh, don't forget, on uh, Pipes Magazine, as I mentioned last week, uh, they've done a, uh, Kevin has put together a PDF file from the forum posts of Ken Barnes. And uh, Ken Barnes, you would have heard him on a uh, past episode of the show. He was, uh, uh, his father was Colonel Barnes, who started the Upshaw brand and worked for Sheraton for years. well, Ken had a ton of great posts that he put up in the uh, in the Pipes Magazine forums. So if you go over to Pipes Magazine, well, you can get to see those posts now. They're all in one folder. Uh, and it's uh, the thread. You have to go into the forums. It's under threads, Ken Barnes posts, and find it there. Uh, and while you're there, you know, if you're not registered, register. And uh, JDRF auctions are coming up. More on that in uh, later on in the show. All right, let's get the show rolling so everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Since its beginnings in 1876, Savinelli has become more than just a pipe factory. It's become a lifestyle. From sourcing the finest Mediterranean briar and partnering with local artisans to acquire unique accents, to expanding their catalog each year with new innovative series, Savinelli produces high quality Italian pipes that serve as a reflection of your individual tastes. With a portfolio that ranges from rugged designs fit for the outdoors to elegant pieces destined for black tie galas, Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. And remember, you must be of legal smoking age wherever you are listening to this show in order to listen. And that's just like any pipe show. I believe you have to be of legal smoking age wherever you are in order to go to the uh, Chicago pipe show Um, or legal, whatever the Chicago age is. All right. So prepping for a pipe show. First of all, let's talk about uh, getting there. If you're flying, 
uh, bring your pipes and your tobaccos and bring them on the plane with you. If you're carrying mason jars with you, you might run into a TSA agent that is going to be fussy about the big glass jars. So just a word of warning that mason jars may not be happy on the airplane. Uh, when you are going through TSA or through security, you may get asked to open those tins of tobacco. So if you're bringing something with you, be prepared to open it at the airport if they ask. I've only had that happen a couple of times, but it has happened a couple of times. Uh, and I fly a lot with tobacco, so it, it you know, maybe one out of uh, one out of 50 times I've gone through security. Uh, so I'm just saying that because if you're bringing something that you are intending to trade or sell, well, you're probably better off putting it in your checked luggage and wrapping it up really, really, really tight with, uh, you know, with some, uh, with some, uh, saran wrap or something like that, or maybe vacuum seal, you know, those food saver bags. Uh, because remember the, uh, the under part of the airplane is pressurized to about 8,000 feet. So you could run into a problem there. Uh, so just a word of warning with tobacco, uh, make sure your tampers don't have any knives on them. You know, you can't bring a knife on the airplane, so don't bring a tamper with a sharp edge on the airplane with you. Uh, so prepping for a pipe show and you, you gotta, so get yourself a game plan in your head. I am big on budgets. So, uh, you know, bring a budget with you, whether it be a, uh, a, a digital budget, like a credit card or a paper budget like cash, bring a budget, set a budget, stick to the budget. Okay. Uh, are you bringing pipes to trade or pipes to sell? Well, make sure they're clean as clean as you can get them without hurting them and do the research to know exactly what the value is currently on the market. If you look at smokingpipes.com's website and you go through the estate section and you see something very similar to yours, well, they've professionally cleaned it. They stand behind it. So assume that you're going to get less than that for it. If you've seen something like yours sell on eBay from a fairly reputable seller, assume that you're going to get something a little bit less than that because you're, you don't have the seller guarantees and the background and the history. But that's a good place to figure out what you should either trade or sell your pipe for as a ballpark. Uh, also, you know, you can... Uh, you know, make sure that you bring enough tobacco and pipes so that you've got a fresh pipe for yourself and bring extra tobacco to share with people. Uh, bring pipes that, you know, you might, if you're, if you're one of those people that brings, uh, that smokes Englishes out of one pipe and aromatics out of another and Virginia's out of another, or you've dedicated pipes and you want to do some sampling of tobaccos, well, that's a perfect time to bring a Missouri Meerschaum corn cob or two with you for tobacco sampling for stuff that you may not want to try in one of your uh, one of your well-seasoned briars. So bring those. Um, make sure you know what time the show is going to open. Yeah, make sure you know what time the show is going to open. I always try to arrive the at least by uh, you know, in the in the situation of like the Columbus pipe show, I try to arrive the Thursday evening because a lot of people gather and start coming in same thing with the west coast pipe show i would try to gather i'd try to get there on thursday the chicago pipe show well that for me that's wednesday and then stay all the way till the end because oftentimes you will find that there are better deals at the end of the show because 
dealers or sellers might have uh, overbought stuff and they want to sell some stuff off. So stay all the way till the end. Um, but the reason I want you to get there early is because like what I, what happened to me in the uh, Columbus Pipe Show last year where I ended up picking up, I don't know, 28 some odd tins of tobaccos, 30 tins of tobaccos that I really was happy to get and the prices were killer. Well, had I been there on Friday afternoon or Friday evening, and uh, a lot of those might have been gone by then. So I'm just saying, you know, get there, get there beforehand if you can. If you can, if you can't, you know, it's not the worst thing. Um, prepping for a pipe show, so you you know you've got your budget, you've got uh, you've you've got pipes that you have in mind. You know, usually when I go to a show, I have an idea of what I'm looking for. Uh, sometimes I'm looking for a pipe that might be an armchair pipe, or I'm looking for, you know, there's a couple of pipe makers that have popped up that I'm interested in seeing, and I've only ever seen pictures of them. So have a, you know, have a hit list of what you're, of what you're looking for. So that way you kind of stay focused. Uh, first time in the room, I always go around the room once, unless there is a super deal on something I very rarely buy on the first time around the room. Cause I want to see what's out there. Because again, I've gone with a budget and I want to make sure that I do that. Uh, so you've got your budget, you got your first time around, then the second time around and your target ideas. And then you start, you know, then you start spending. And, uh, and if you want, if you're not sure of something or if the price is a little too much, wait till the end of the show and go back to them and see, maybe there's a deal. Uh, I do not ask for deals from individual artists and pipe makers because I feel like by asking for a deal from an individual artist and pipe maker, that means that I'm asking them to devalue their time. Well, and I'm not willing to do that. Now, if they offer me a deal, I'll take it. I'm not that crazy. All right. Uh, and then finally, you know what? If you're going by yourself or you're going with a friend or a couple of friends, well, try to sit down and meet new people. Uh, people at pipe shows are really friendly. You can sit down, say how you doing, ask them what they're smoking, and start a conversation. And that's how you get to learn different opinions and different points of views and different ideas. All right, that is the most valuable part of it. You can even you know you can even ask to see somebody's pipe that's sitting at the table with you, or if they've got a tin of tobacco in front of them and you want to and you've never smelled it before, ask them if you can smell it. And then they may offer you a bowl full because there's a lot of bowls fulls being offered out there. And it's a great chance to try something that you've never tried before. Uh, can't highly recommend getting to a pipe show enough. So I hope that prepping for a pipe show helps. Uh, I hope everybody gets a chance to get to the pipe shows. Remember, the uh, Mule Town Pipe Show is coming up uh, this weekend, I believe. And then Chicago is in the end of May. And uh, as we have more and more information on other pipe shows, I will let you know. And in just a few minutes, we'll have my uh, discussion with, uh, with Dr. Charles, the pipe maker. This is Internet Radio. Take a look at your pipe rack. Are all those briars and mirrors constant companions in your rotation? Or are there some that you gravitate to more than others? Are there some that you simply don't smoke anymore? Through SmokingPipes.com's estate trade program, you can transform those underused pipes into immediate cash or store credit. Just send us your pipes and we'll unpack, inspect, and evaluate them based on extensive market research and over 20 years of experience. 
Then we'll contact you with a detailed offer for your choice of cash or store credit, valid on any items in our vast selection of pipes, tobacco, cigars, and accessories. If you're not happy with our quote, we'll return your pipes free of charge to domestic addresses. It's that simple. Join the thousands of Smoking Pipes customers who have benefited from this program and start your trade today by contacting us at 888-366-0345. That's 888-366-0345. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us is a, uh, I guess you're relatively new to the pipe making scene, but yet... I've seen your work. Uh, you've uh, and you've got an interesting background too, uh, but the details in your work may have to do with your background. But pipe maker Charles Tyvet, welcome to the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. Well, thank you, Brian. Uh, thank you. It's great to be here. I've been listening to the show for uh, a few years since I started uh, first picking up uh, a pipe, and uh, just had hours and hours of enjoyment out of it and uh i just i really appreciate the opportunity to come on the show and, and chat with you so we now know that you're not real smart because you've actually heard the show and still you're willing to come on it boy it didn't take you didn't take you much time to figure me out did it no no okay so on to the next <laughs> guest thanks for visiting with us <laughs> dang <laughs> So first of all, let's talk about your last name because it's spelled T H I E V A G T, right? That is close. Okay, try you do it the right way, and I'll and I'll okay. look stupid, which is fine. No, no, T H E I V A G T, and no, but very very smart people. Every no one gets it right. <laughs> I mean, it took me it took me until I was a senior in high school to figure out how to spell it right. Sad thing for me is I just looked at it a minute ago on the screen and still screwed it up. Um, but it, <laughs> well, that's all right. But it's pronounced Tyvet. Yes, that's okay. correct. So if anybody starts googling you on the uh, on the interwebs and stuff to find your pipes on Instagram or whatever, that's how you spell it. So there you go. We got that out of the way. Now let's get to know you. Where'd you grow up? When did you grow up? What did you want to be when you grew up? Did you do that? Well, I, I grew up in Illinois. Um, my grandfather had flown a hundred missions in the, for the Air Force in the in the Korean War, wow. and so I wanted to be an Air Force pilot when when I was growing up. And then in high school, um, you know, I had these big plans. I wanted to get into the Air Force Academy, and somebody said to me, "Well, that is really hard. It is really hard to become a pilot in the Air Force, and maybe you shouldn't do it." And so I said, well, gosh, maybe I shouldn't. And then I ended up becoming a doctor instead. <laughs> you, you loser of an MD. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, you know, I was in, I was in college and, and somebody said, well, becoming a doctor is really hard. And that time I learned not to listen to that kind of person. <laughs> it's a good thing you weren't going for an astronaut. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So you are an actual practicing MD, and you and you smoke and make pipes. That's right. So now we got all that out of the way. No, the doctor is not giving advice on medical stuff. The doctor of pipes here, I'll give advice, but it's worthless. So, uh, when did when did pipe smoking come into your into your world? 
Oh, it was about four years ago. I've been smoking the occasional cigar, uh, probably since I guess since college. And I had a had a buddy down here that I smoked cigars with regularly, and he got real interested in pipes. And I thought, well, I I don't know, but he's into it, so I'll give it a shot. And uh, he's still smoking cigars, never touches his pipes, and I I've fully converted from cigars to pipes. So, so did you get any help, or did he just say, "Yeah, we'll throw you to the wolves"? Oh, I learned everything I, I know about smoking a pipe from YouTube. There you go. Uh, yeah. So, who are your who are your YouTube influences? Um, let's see, Mutton Chop Piper. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in terms of of learning, um, and then. Uh, Stuff and things is something that I listen to pretty regularly. Um, there, there are a lot of great shows. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna forget to mention somebody, so I better stop. Yeah, yeah. No, you hit two good, two really good ones. Um, what was it that kind of? I, I guess what was it that resonated with you in pipe smoking versus cigar smoking? The so one thing is just the the breadth of different flavors. Like you pretty you have a pretty you know, I'm not saying that cigars all taste the same, right? But you've got a much narrower flavor profile, mm-hmm. I think, than you do with with pipes. You've got anything from aromatics to Virginias to a lot of Kia blends and there's just a, a much broader spectrum. And I also found it well less expensive um <laughs> yeah. or at least it can be if you if you do it better than i did it but uh you're not you're not buying these six to ten dollar sticks that you 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 know you toss as soon as you smoked it yeah it, it is a it is a little bit better price per hour of enjoyment yes yeah. exactly so what was your first what were your first pipes and tobaccos and how, how'd you go about starting? The first pipe was, a uh, Mr. Belandis, I believe. And then I picked a few up on, on eBay. And then some of my earliest tobaccos that I tried were Orlick golden sliced and, um, See, uh, uh, old dark fired. That uh-huh. was one that made me think, "Oh, this is maybe something I want to do." <laughs> you know, I, I had a few uh, aromatic blends. Um, it's you know, it's kind of, it's kind of difficult when you're first starting out because the selection is so overwhelming. You, you just have no idea where to start, and so you just kind of pick things up randomly, and then. Finally, I discovered YouTube and looked at a few recommendations. And even then, you have to try a few things and and see who likes the same kinds of things that you like. And then you take the recommendations because you could, you know, you could listen to somebody who has a completely different palate than you do, and they may love something, and it it may just not yeah. agree with you at all. Yeah, it's that old thing of find the find the reviewer that you are. <laughs> kind of simpatico with and then go down that road yeah uh so when you what was the what was the crazy moment that said you know what i think i want to try making a pipe 
uh, hubris, um, <laughs> <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Uh, you know, you first start smoking a pipe and you get all this, uh, the, the, the tongue bite and, and of course it couldn't possibly be my fault. It had to be the fault of the pipe. <laughs> so, <laughs> which we all know is not the case, but that's what I thought. So I started looking up online, uh, different things about pipe engineering. And I found some, some pretty interesting websites that, that talked about the, you know, the airflow and, and fluid dynamics. And that, that sounded really cool. And, uh, I really focused on the, the slot in the, in the button and the, in the stem. And I thought, well, you know, all these, all these pipes that aren't there, you know, the factory pipes that I bought that, that aren't funneled, well, they need to be funneled and that'll solve my problem. So I got a little tool from, from Vermont freehand and messed up a few slots, but, um, I just, it, that's, that's kind of where I started. And then I, then I thought, well, you know, I can, I figured that out. Maybe I can make a whole pipe. And so slowly I accumulated tools and materials and eventually stepped up to a lathe. Now let, let's back up a little bit because you, okay. you working as a doctor, I mean, that's, you know, that's about as stressful as you can get. You Oftentimes you have people's lives in your hands. Uh, were you were were you looking for a hobby, something as you know as stress relief? Did did you have any other hobbies before that, or were you just looking for something else to do that's maniacally detailed and uh, stressful and time constraints, and then Mother Nature will throw something random at you and screw it all up? Yeah, well, that's that's a good question, and and actually, the all that like detailed minutia is relaxing. The difference is that it's very low consequence. Mm-hmm. If I, if I screw up a pipe or drill a, a third hole in a stem, nobody dies, nobody gets hurt. Yeah, I might cry a little bit, but I'll, I'll get over it and I'll make a new stem. So that's that yeah it is very relaxing to me to make pipes what was the other part of the question did you have any any other hobbies before that 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 now pipe making has replaced well i i always liked art and so i did a lot of drawing and painting when i was in high school and I, i still did some painting even through medical school and it it went by the wayside when i was in residency and so I was, I was really craving a, a creative outlet and, and pipe making really has, has scratched that itch for me. Yeah. So that would make perfect sense because now you can, you know, you can imagine a shape in your head, draw it up and then sculpt it out, you know, find the, find the, uh, find the sculpture inside the block of wood. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, what's interesting about it is that you have constraints like you've got these holes and they have to meet up in the middle somewhere and so there are constraints you you know the sky is not the limits in terms of you just sculpting just sculpt anything you want (laughs) you have constraints and that that helps so you have a starting point and then you can insert your own kind of creativity from there 
that is a perfect place for us to take a break when we come back we'll have more uh, we'll talk more pipe making with uh with charles so stay with us we'll be back in just a minute hi i'm jeremy reeves head blender of cornell and deal we know pipe smoking is a personal journey that's why our small team of blending and production experts take a personal approach in every step preparing tobacco products just for you. We source top quality leaf through the personal connections we've made around the world, hand blend that leaf, and carefully package each tin. Each product, from special releases like our small batch line to our most popular mixtures like Autumn Evening, are made right here in South Carolina by professionals dedicated to providing the finest of smoking experiences. Lighting up a pipe is an exploration through evolving flavors, thoughts, memories, and even dreams. From our hands to yours, Cornell and Deal tobaccos are your passport for that voyage, provided by people who, like you, value the journey. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with Charles Tyvet and all right, so you got the lathe and you got everything, and then did you go and work with any pipe makers, or did you just kind of get advice and study online? A lot of studying online, uh, a lot of YouTube videos. The pipe makers forum was was really key, but I did some video lessons with Jeff Grasic okay. that he offers. And man, he is an amazing teacher. Yeah, so you got like years of experience in just a couple of, in just a few lessons with Jeff. Oh, absolutely. Did Jeff help you? Kind of in in the lessons, was it more technical versus more, you know, figuring out your style? With Jeff, there. He he does teach a lot of technical things, but there were a lot of things that were um, uh, more high level and and conceptual. And some of the things he taught me really kind of uh, reminded me of what I was learning back in residency when I was learning to operate. And one example of that is that he'll shape one particular, like you'll look at the profile of the pipe when it's still a block, and he'll make the profile exactly like he wants it before he turns it and looks at it in another dimension, and then he makes that line exactly how he wants it, and that way he's not going back and forth, taking off a little here, a little there, a little here, and back and forth, and you still do a little bit of that, but it, it makes it way more efficient. And the importance of being efficient is that your ability to focus fatigues after a while. So the, the more efficient you are, the quicker you make the, the pipe, the more of that focus muscle and energy you still have left as you get as you progress throughout your day. And, uh, and that was kind of interesting because it, it, you know, very, very much works the same way in surgery. You do, you know, you do every step and do it, 
the right way so that you don't have to go back and repeat steps so that you're you're not wasting time. <laughs> yeah, and your patient doesn't get bored with you. Um, <laughs> well, a lot of times they're asleep. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. I I would hope so. Um, yeah. <laughs> Does your when you started out did did Jeff make you work on just the the classics first and and perfect you know billiard bulldog that stuff? Um, that's a real popular thing in the pipe making community. They there are a lot of people that say, well, you need to learn how to make a a billiard first. And so I asked Jeff about that, and he said, well, what we really need to focus as long as it's a a shape that is well-defined, we can, we can use that as a starting point. And a billiard, of course, is one of those shapes that is very well-defined. And Jeff really likes uh, making lovats, as you, lovats, as you know. Yeah. So that's what, that's what we started with. And what was cool is that I asked him, well, hey, the, we, we made a pipe at the same time over, over video. He'd show me the step, I'd do it. He'd show me the next step, I'd do it. Oh, cool. And so I said, yeah. So I said, hey, can I can I buy that pipe that you're working on? And so I have his Lovat and I have my Lovat, uh, which is really, really cool. That's a, a very, very special pipe. <laughs> yeah. So you got the you got the master's version and the apprentice version of it. That's right. Yeah. So what is uh, what part of what? parts of the pipe making process are your favorites uh so i I really like really like shaping and i do actually enjoy making stems i know that a lot of people don't but i i really enjoy making stems when it's drilling all the holes is just you know that's kind of the the part where you know you're still wondering oh is is this going to be a good piece of briar or am i gonna you know have some have a nasty surprise in the middle of this bowl (laughs) so i don't dislike it but at the same time that's not what you know really gets me jazzed about making pipes so you really are more the artist that enjoys the the shaping and the and the exterior of the pipe and seeing the flow of it from stem all the way to shank to bowl and and seeing the seeing the finished exterior you know i i really like what tom eltang said um that that we're craftsmen and it's really about design i really like the concept of being it being designed because there is that artistic aesthetic component but at the end of the day, the pipe is going to be used by somebody. And so it's, it's, it's the fun challenge for me is to think through how can I maximize both? How can I maximize the functionality of this pipe, have all the holes line up perfectly and do it in such a way that I can make long flowing, elegant, beautiful lines so I, I really like the doing the art but then doing it within the constraint of of having to make something that is functional and comfortable yeah. and a pleasure to smoke yeah working working with the fact that there's got to be a big hole and a small hole and they have to meet and, yeah. and meet you know and meet smoothly 
yeah, that adds adds another level of detail that uh, that Rodan never had to deal with. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, for you personally, is pipe smoking? Is it? I, I would I would assume it's kind of a a relaxation. Look forward to sitting down with a bowl kind of thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's um, you know I, I think in in modern life we we kind of we lack rituals. We don't have as many rituals, and I, I really enjoy that about about the pipe. You you get out your pipe, you get out your tobacco, you rub it out, maybe you dry it, you pack your bowl, you get out all the other tools that you're going to need, and so there's there's a ritual. There's this process between sitting down and actually lighting the pipe and and being in this relaxed state and it just it tells your brain okay now it's time to relax yeah i can actually i've had a uh, i've had a rash lately uh, a rash of incidences not a rash on my skin please don't anybody think anything that's relieving <laughs> but in the evening the last pipe sitting in the reclining chair i'll get the pipe i'll pick out the pipe i'll pick out the tobacco i may even pack the pipe and then i'll fall asleep (laughs) i just get so relaxed and you know that i don't even want to light the pipe i just you know out i go Um, there you go yeah so it's uh i would guess it's you know just a couple times a week or yeah that you're that you're pulling out a pipe and sitting down because you've probably got a fairly busy schedule too yeah it's mostly it's mostly on the weekend or if i've had a particularly long day i might smoke a bowl in the evening you're, you're not ducking out in the middle of the day in between patients going eh, give me 20 minutes with the pipe i'll you know no no <laughs> yeah no there's not no time for that uh pipe making wise uh so that's when you've got time and you know in, in amongst the family stuff so how many pipes a year do you hope to make i think probably 20 is is a is a ambitious number because i just don't get that much time in the shop but but i could i can probably turn out about 20 in a year that's a goal anyway yeah and are you how many hours do you think you have into each pipe on average now i just i i have no idea um how to answer that question because i can I made a pipe with my daughter over uh, over the holiday. She wanted to make a pipe with me, <laughs> and it was just a, a stumble and a stem, and that actually went pretty quick. We spent maybe ten hours on it, but if if you're talking about accents and you're you know trying to line up a piece of bamboo, you know you can at least double that. And you talked about, uh, first of all, I think it's cool that your daughter wanted to hang out and make a pipe with you. Um, oh, it was awesome. Yeah. And, but you talked about, so I'm looking at some of your pictures on Instagram and you do have, so you do like those kind of that longer, you, you like the lines, those big longer shapes that tend to flow more, have a few odd, yeah, a few li- little bit longer curves where some people might have flattened them out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I guess you know. I guess that's. Uh, I guess there's 
yeah it's just it's just a style thing that's just what i enjoy i i you know i think it if there's uh if there's an angle it should be very obvious that the angle was intentional if it's a curved line then it there should be absolutely no break in the curve yeah i I can see it. it looks it almost looks like you know the I guess a version, you know, kind of like a cross between some of the older French pipes and the more modern Danish design uh, doesn't look English to me. <laughs> does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it does. Well, I, I guess that's where I get a lot of a lot of my influence. I spend, yeah, I spend a lot of time looking at looking at Danish pipes. And, um, and, and so I guess that probably does influence what I end up making. So going back to your own pipe collection or uh, your amassing of personal pipes, uh, besides the Jay Allen, have you ha- have you dabbled in some of the other high end pipe makers? Sure. Um, um, one thing I'm I'm really interested in. I, I like bent bulldogs. Oh boy! And. Yeah, so which are hard to come by because uh, people don't really like making them. They're 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 pretty time consuming to make. But I'm working on a a collection of bent bulldogs by artisan pipe makers, and I, I actually have a, a Nate King and I've got a Michael Parks. Um, I've got an El Duca, and um, I've got a, I've got a long way to go. I don't have all that many collected yet but i'm working on it and those are all for research and development for your own production right exactly they're all tax write-offs yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) when you look at them and i guess if you get you know you've got some you know some great great pipe makers there but when you look at them individually then you you look at them together and then you start to notice some individual differences in how the pipe makers approach a you know just that one specific shape yes um so michael parks does a very technical when he does an english pipe Mm -hmm. it's very technical um and at the same time, the lines are perfect. Nate King's pipes are, he just has kind of this funky style that I love. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know, I don't know what else to say about it, but um, his pipes are very popular and for good reason. Yeah, and, and then it's funny because Michael comes from an art background going to art school and Nate comes from... Indie car racing, which is very technical, <laughs> but yet they're opposites yeah. in their pipe making. Yeah, that I guess that's a, an interesting observation. I, I guess we all need uh, an outlet for whatever is is opposite to what we what we have or put our focus on. Yeah, uh, you know, God willing, and the creek don't rise, as they say around here. Um, are you planning on any pipe shows for this year? I hope to be in Chicago. I, I booked my um, I booked my hotel, so I'm going to Chicago. I, I want to do the Texas pipe show again, and we'll just have to see what else I can make it to. Yeah, 
And I'm going to ask you one doctor-related question, and don't anybody read into this about the mask stuff, but I just got to know, you've got a fairly good-sized beard. Um, how do you, when, when you're at work, how do you wear a surgical mask over the beard? A surgical mask is, is actually pretty easy. An N95 mask, um, you can't get a fit. You, you, <laughs> you can't fit test or pass a fit test if you have a beard with an N95 mask. So if I need complete protection with, from, from aerosolized contaminants, then I'd have to use what the power uh, assisted. Um, no, no, said that wrong. Uh, the Pappers. See, I'm going to forget what it's actually called right now. But <laughs> it, basically, it's the whole the whole suit with the fan blowing blowing air on your face. That's what I would have to to wear with the beard when the when. COVID first hit in the United States, I just, I, I had to shave the beard. I, I got rid of it altogether so I could wear the N95. Uh. And then, you know, as I got comfortable and we figured out some, some ways to protect ourselves that, that were outside of the mask wearing, I, I, I grew it back. I still wear the mask at work, of course, but realizing that it's, uh, it's an improvement, but it's not, it's not a 100% filtration yeah and and then and of course on the weekends you can just go to the biker bar and hang out and smoke your pipe and look like one of the guys that's right <laughs> charles we'll wrap this up with the fast five final questions no right answer no wrong answer just whatever comes to your mind are you ready let's do it what is your favorite pipe one of the first high-grade artisan pipes i made is a it was made by Abe Herbal, and it's a Danish style egg. It's got a, a, a it's a long pencil shank about one eighth bend, and it was virgin briar. And the stem material is a, a like a white and blue swirl, and it it just reminded me of the the beach in the ocean and i still I, I still that's my favorite pipe to smoke Ooh, what is your favorite tobacco that is a very difficult question but when i when i first start again this is again hubris i thought well i need the fanciest most expensive nicest tobacco and that'll solve my problems. <laughs> so I found a, a little gold bag on eBay. This is when they were still sold on eBay of Dorchester. And for whatever reason, Dorchester reminded me of when I would go and eat breakfast with my grandfather on Saturday mornings and he would serve cheese danishes. <laughs> and of course, Dorchester doesn't taste anything like cheese danish. But it always brought me back to those moments. And so that, that is a, a pretty, pretty special memory. And for that reason, I, I have to call that my favorite. That is the best reason I've ever heard. I love it. There you go. Awesome. <laughs> what is your favorite drink? I like scotch. 
Are you one of them yeah. fancy single malt guys, you know, from one little barrel in the island of, you know, something and aged for 150 years? I, well, I, I do like a single malt scotch. I, I drink Macallan 15 year usually. I don't, I don't get real fancy or elaborate. It's just what I like, but it is a single malt. There you go. When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Well, a podcast, of course. Well, Post Magazine radio show. There we go. Um, <laughs> Boy, that's the best answer I've ever heard to that question. I, I figured you'd say that. And I think you uh, might have very low standards, but that's okay. Well, <laughs> I do actually, uh, I do like listening to uh, audiobooks. Um, again, something about somebody reading to you just, it, it's just really relaxing. It just reminds you of, of childhood, I guess. And then finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory? I started a pipe club, a Rio Grande Valley pipe club a couple of years ago. And during one of our like first two or three meetings, a uh, conversation got really really deep and philosophical and and that was the that was the night that all the guys in the pipe club really got to know each other and and bonded and we must have smoked 10 bowls that night each of us but uh that was that was a great night that was a great memory and uh those those guys will be friends for life sounds yeah you know the memories with the people uh yeah that's what i've said so uh, uh, again it's uh wait i'm not going to screw up the spelling this time i promise maybe uh it's t-h-e-i-v-a-g-t search for charles on instagram that's the best place to find the pipes uh price wise where do your pipes start out at uh they start out at 150 and and go up to about 200 so highly approachable pricing. Charles, thank you very much for coming on and doing this. Well, thank you, Brian. This has been a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. And we'll be back in just a minute. For over 150 years, Peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers. It's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike, and our workshop too is a place of hospitality and warmth. Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan, and for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. My dad, Tony Whelan Jr., worked at Peterson for 53 years and has been my home since 2003. From sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning, to managing our store, to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy. And it's a welcome we always extend to you. Cade Mila Folge, 100,000 welcomes. Wherever you come from, whosoever you be. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, make sure and check out everything Charles is doing. Follow him on uh, Facebook and Instagram and all those places. And uh, keep an eye on his pipes. You know, 20 years, not that much. All right, for music, uh, my friend, uh, per, uh, per, <laughs> per, 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 
My friend, composer and professor Dan Lockler has a brand new CD out, and it's called Requiem. It's uh, Dan Lockler's Requiem and Other Choral Works. So what we're going to hear is uh, Requiem number two, Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled. information on Dan's work, you can go to his website, locklair.com, L-O-C-K-L-A-I-R.com, and the uh, CD is released on Convivian, Convivium Records, and you know what, I think it's important to support your local pipe-smoking composer. Transmission begins from Moneypenny. 
And remember, if you have a mailbag comment or question, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at pipesmagazine.com or post it on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on pipesmagazine.com. Uh, also, don't forget if you have a uh, Ask the Pipe Maker or Ask the uh, Tobacco Blender for Jeff or Jeremy, send those in to me as well, brian at pipesmagazine.com. And I'll be, uh, as soon as I'm back, I'll probably be recording again with Rich Esserman. So if you've got any topics you'd like Rich and I to cover, well, I'm happy to do that as well. And those uh, JDRF auction items, well, brian at pipesmagazine.com. All right, getting caught up on the mailbag, uh, Bill writes, really enjoy the pipe parts with Jeff. I recently purchased a Allen Brothers pipe for my wife, a beautiful Lavat with gorgeous cross grain and bird's eye. Are these pipes still in production, and how are they different from the J. Allen pipes? Love your show, Bill. So, Bill, the answer is uh, the pipes are no longer in production, and uh, how do they differ? Uh, preformed stems that were hand finished and, uh, phrased cut bowls that were hand finished as well. So not completely hand cut all the way from start to finish. Uh, not a, you know, not a brand new hand cut stem either. So, uh, that's how they differ. If you can find them on the estate market, you might want to start grabbing them up. Uh, Paul writes, uh, going back to, uh, two weeks ago with, uh, Mark Dion, uh, dear Brian, another great show. Thank you, Jeff, for the idea that we can hot rod our pipes, but I think I will only try upgrading my corn cobs as I'm sure my skills are not up for working on an expensive briar. Uh, Mark was a terrific guest a, and really a breath of fresh air as it is far too easy to get all hung up on the details of this hobby. And thank you for your comments on what's happening in Ukraine. Normally, I would not want politics to be part of the show, but this crisis is really hitting home. Many of us have pipe-smoking friends in Ukraine, and it's just a nightmare. Best wishes, Paul. Yeah, Paul, in fact, I've got pipe-smoking friends in Russia that we haven't heard from in, in a couple of weeks. So, uh, And also, back two weeks ago, Guy writes, Hi, Brian, I've enjoyed listening to your recent podcast. I was listening to your discussion with Mark Dion, but uh, but just now paused it. You mentioned that Mark is all over the place with tobaccos he enjoys. Well, I am too. I was out this afternoon walking to pick up my daughter from school, and I was smoking a mix of Peter Stokeby Luxury Navy Flake and Peter Stokeby Luxury Twist Flake. I love the earthy, woody, leathery, musty, olfactory sensation these impart. But as I was getting into it, I thought how much I like to vary what I smoke. I began to get an urge to try something different. Well, luckily, I'm into English, Balkans, and Orientals, too. With pipe tobaccos, it's a taste journey, and mine can turn on a whim, uh, the weather or the season. So here's to you, Mark, and to those who like only particular blends. Well, I totally get that, too, Guy. Yeah, Guy, you... um. So you people that like multiple blends and different styles, you're more common now than uh, people like me that just like one basic tobacco. Uh, you know, back in the day, it used to be guy had his you know person had his favorite, and that was what he stuck with. Now, not so much. It's all it's all around the place. Uh, and again, ca catching up from two weeks ago, uh, Jim writes Brian. 
I know you said explicitly that if we don't read the pipe collector, we're losers and you're not interested in talking to us. <laughs> but you left the door open when it comes to writing to you. So here goes. I really enjoyed the Mark Dion interview. I find reading about pipes to be pretty tedious, so I don't read pipe magazines, but his name sounded familiar. I went to graduate school in Kansas City, and when he, and when he reviewed his history, I realized I remembered his byline from the newspaper. <laughs> I lived a peripatetic life mostly in small communities, so I rarely lived close to a tobacconist, and until the internet, I smoked what I could get. As a result, I have tastes in pipe tobacco and pipes that are quite similar to Mark's. It was a lot of fun to hear him wax eloquent about the sublime pleasure of the ordinary. So many of your guests are elitist in the best sense of the world, in the best sense of the word. I'm certainly not opposed to elitism. And Mark obviously knows enough about pipes and tobacco that he could get that uh, he could go that route if he chose to. There was something quite refreshing about his celebration of the over-the-counters, which I don't like that term. How about mass market or popular priced? Uh, the over-the-counters, over basket pipes, and cobs side-by-side with handcrafted pipes and the finest McBaron tobaccos, both being honorable routes into the pleasure of the pipe. Your rant was also spot on, Jim. Jim, thanks. And you can talk to me anytime. Um, you know, what's funny is I absolutely hate reading about pipes and tobaccos when I'm on an airplane and I can't smoke them. So there you go. All right. One more, uh, Ethan writes, uh, Brian, first I wanted to note that the last episode 494 with Mark Dion was fantastic to me. He represented the historic pipe smoker more than those I encounter nowadays. Specifically, what appeared to be a more pragmatic perspective of the pipe and tobacco. I don't have a style. I smoke my, most types of blends, etc. I'm reminiscent of my wife's grandfather, a former pipe smoker, who told me I was too young and spry to smoke a bent stem pipe because those are for old people. <laughs> I digress. <laughs> Imagine there's an age barrier to bent. Um, anyway, then he goes on to write, uh, the other thing I wanted to write to you about was way back in episode 335 when you interviewed Mikhail, you mentioned a potential correlation between people who smoke Virginias and also enjoy red wine. Do you have any more insight into that? It made me think about my own perspective, which surprisingly agrees with that statement. Later in the episode, you discussed the difference between a pipe smoker and a cigar smoker in terms of cars. Uh, the cigar smoker shows up in the newest, fastest thing, while the pipe smoker shows up in the 20-year-old vehicle they purchased for its reliability. I also agreed with that, not just because I drive a 20-year-old vehicle, and observed a fellow pipe smoker in my town driving a mint 1995 Honda Accord, straight billiard clinched between his teeth, I guess that goes to show we are in it for the practicality, not the flashiness. Thanks for all you do for the show, and I look forward every week to your podcast. Cheers, Ethan. And by the way, Ethan's got a really cool title on here. ACA Level 4 Whitewater Kayak Instructor and Level 4 Swiftwater Rescue Instructor. That's like some uh, really gnarly outdoor stuff. Um, so answering your question about the red wine, no, got no idea. Haven't done any more about it. Uh, I do know that, uh, Fred Hanna is a big fan of Bordeaux's. 
So maybe there's something to it. Maybe the, uh, you know, the elitist that, that I've turned into, which is okay. Uh, maybe that's just the red wine in me. All right. Comments, questions, email me, Brian at pipesmagazine.com and uh, rant times coming up next. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. Here's a little anti-smoking update for you, and I've been poking and prodding at several companies. We can add to the list uh, SeaWorld Orlando for their no-smoking policy at Discovery Cove. We can add to the list the Columbus Zoo for their no-smoking policy. And uh, my own little local local arena with their no-smoking, no-tobacco policy in there. Well, I got one email back from the arena from people at the that I had emailed out through the mayor's office and they basically said they're not in charge of it and they didn't even answer the question so I replied back to them said well what about answering my question or at least directing me towards the right people and uh, as of this recording it's now been uh, well it's been two weeks since I emailed them back and I poked them again in the middle of the week saying are you going to follow up with me Uh, nothing there Uh, From the Walt Disney Company, who I sent three letters and five different emails, I have heard silence. It has been quieter than a frozen cricket. Yeah, silence. So, please keep emailing those uh, Disney, you know, the Walt Disney Company, Disneyland, Walt Disney World, and just tell them that you're a pipe smoker and you enjoy smoking and you're not coming to their parks until they provide you a place to do that. Uh, keep those, you know, just keep those emails going. I'm going to keep poking at them because I'm going to keep reminding them that, you know what, I took the time to write them a letter, a two page letter, put it in the mail and I deserve a response. Otherwise, you know, what? they can kiss my, well, they're probably close to that anyway. Um, they're going to start calling me the extra grumpy dwarf, <laughs> although I'm a little taller, but apparently they're uh, succumbing to pressures of the live action snow white. So, you know. What can I say? Just keep the pressure up. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, comments, questions, email me, Brian at pipesmagazine.com. Don't forget JDRF auction items. Much appreciated. Anything you've got, uh, email me, Brian at pipesmagazine.com. So thank you very much to Charles for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. Who cares about the
clouds when we're together Just sing a song and think about sunny Hey, Brutus, what are you doing with that knife?